0: The following lecture was delivered at the 13th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Providence, Rhode Island, a project of the Roar Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it, and we encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Mrs. Sarah Esther Crisp will now present her lecture, Did You Hear What I Meant to Say? A Torah Approach to Successful Communication My name is Sarah Esther Crisp, and this is Did You Hear What I Meant to Say, all about successful communication from some Torah guidance. So to begin with, there was um, a number of years ago, this great email got passed around. You may have likely received it. It was called The Guys Rules, and it was this long list of rules that came through, and from the perspective of a man, generally when you get gender jokes, you've got women making fun of men, men making fun of women. This is men making fun of men, which I particularly found funny. And it was a very long list of rules and they're all very appropriately numbered number one. So we have this long list of number one. I'm gonna read you a few of these and they could all actually be, be full classes onto themselves. But uh, we'll refer back to, to some of them during the talk. So we have number one, ask for what you want. Let us be clear on this one. Subtle hints do not work. Strong hints do not work. Obvious hints do not work. Just say it. Number one, yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Number one, come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what your girlfriends are for. Number one, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all comments become null and void after seven days. Number one, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, we meant the other one. (laughs) Number one, if we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we'll act like nothing's wrong. (laughs) We know you're lying, but it just isn't worth the hassle. And my husband's all-time favorite, number one, if you ask a question... Oh, no, we've got one more before his favorite one. Number one, if you ask a question you don't want an answer to, expect an answer you don't want to hear. And his favorite, number one, you can either ask us to do something or tell us how you want it done. Not both. If you already know the best way to do it, do it yourself. So... They're cute and they you know, are intended to be humorous. They also really allude to some very deep things when it comes to communication. And if anything, communication is at the root, both of what is going to be required and responsible for a healthy relationship and what usually is the problem of an unhealthy relationship relationship. That's why it's titled, Did You Hear What I Meant to Say? A lot seems to get lost in translation. What I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I want to impart, what I want you to understand, and what actually comes out of my mouth may be different. Or even if it comes out of my mouth and yet it's heard differently, we're still not properly communicating. So communication is at the core of all types of healthy relationships and is required in any relationship. We actually find in the Torah that we are defined not as thinkers, but as speakers. Humanity is defined as us being a midaber that we can communicate, that we can take those innermost thoughts and feelings and relay them and share them with another person. That is the definition of humanity. So if the fact that we speak defines us as human, how we speak is going to define the kind of human being that we are. There is a statement in Genesis and Baratheus, that says, And God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the soul of life, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, the commentator, Unkelos explains, because it seems a little redundant, if he blew into his nostrils the breath of life, he obviously became a living soul, but that a... Um, a living soul, a nefesh chaya, needs to be understood as a ruach mamali, a speaking spirit. That this is what makes a human being a human, the ability to speak. But fascinatingly enough, the word for living, chaya, which is also one of the levels of the soul as well, because you have a nefesh chaya, almost like a soul soul, or a living soul, but chaya has two different definitions. Or three. It's all it's living, and it also means a beast, an animal. So we're told from the get-go, use your speech, the way you were created to use it, in a loving way, in a holy way, in a human way, in a godly way, and you merit this level of an efshay of a living soul. Misuse it or abuse it and you revert back to the level of an animal. You lose your humanity if you abuse your ability to speak. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to speech, we are much more likely to believe the bad than we are the good. Somebody says something nice to you, you know, I I love your outfit. You're gonna smile and say, oh, thank you, and hope the person doesn't turn around with like, You know, some gag reflex to their friends standing behind them. You hope it's sincere, right? Somebody says something nice, they mean it, or they don't mean it. The two possibilities. Somebody says something not so nice, right? You know, you are one of the most obnoxious people I have ever met. You're not sitting there going, "Ah, you know, I don't know. I think she really likes me and just didn't say it. (laughs) You can be pretty sure she's not crazy about you. It shouldn't have been said, but it was definitely meant. We all know that you can tell a person a million times, I love you. Say I hate you once. Ten million I love yous will not make that one go away. Because the bad we unfortunately believe and take is truth. And the good we're not sure. This is actually why the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph, is an acronym for two different phrases. One is emet lemed picha, teach your mouth to speak the truth. And the other is "chad lev peh, that the heart and the mouth should be like one. We shouldn't have to doubt. We should be able to take at face value that if somebody says something nice, it's what that person is thinking, it's what that person is feeling, and it has now been communicated to us. Unfortunately... There is that lapse between what goes on in one's head and heart and what comes out of one's mouth. And we don't always accept the positive, the flattering to be true. Now, speech is always going to be most essential when there is an issue. When everything's great, when everything's fine, we're not so reliant on our speech. As soon as there is something uncomfortable, as soon as there is something going on, that is when speech is absolutely required and you can feel it, you know, immediately through that tension, if you've walked in on something and nothing's being said, but wow, is that silence blaring, right? So, And we know in any good fight, you know, that the the kind of greatest punishment you can do is the silent treatment. All right, what's what's going to be more insulting to somebody than reaching the level in an argument where you're just at the point I have nothing left to say to you. I I will not speak to you. <laughs> you are you are beneath my words. All right? So we we know silent treatment is kind of a bad place to be. So there's a cute story of a husband and wife who were in a full-blown fight and they of course had reached the level of silent treatment. Now, the thing with silent treatment is that there are rules. And the biggest rule is that he or she who speaks first loses the fight. So if you're going to go into silent treatment, be prepared to stay silent. (laughs) Because once you speak, game over. You have lost your fight. So they're not speaking to one another. They are heading to bed Husband realizes that he has a really early morning flight and he wants his wife to wake him up in the morning, but he's not going to ask her because that would, you know, break the silence code here. So he thinks he's really smart. He leaves a note by the bed that says, can you please wake me up at 5 a.m. So he wakes up in the morning and it's 9 a.m. And he's missed his flight and he's about to say, what happened? And right as he's about to ask, he sees a note. It says, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) So so we know that that speech is going to come into play specifically when there are issues at hand, right? Because if everything's fine, we're just not as reliant on it. But when things are not, that's when they need to be discussed. And we were just saying before how we're so much more likely to believe the bad than the good, and that if we say the negative, it sticks. And that's because our speech actually creates reality. We've all heard the term abracadabra, famous words of the magician before seemingly creating something from absolutely nothing. So one of the explanations is that it's Aramaic in its origin for abare kedibur, I create when I speak. When I say something, I make it happen. I give it substance. It becomes real, right? It went from my head. It went from my thoughts. It went from my feelings to something tangible. It has been heard. There are witnesses. There are other people now that can hold me accountable to what I say, right? So once we enter the realm of speech, we've gone from the individual into the other, So interestingly enough, there were 10 measures of speech given to humankind according to Kabbalah. Now I know this is shocking, but women got nine of the 10 of them. I know, who would think? (laughs) So we have nine, I actually have always taught that women were given nine of the 10 measures of speech and I was looking up the source for something I was writing. Okay, it says women took. (laughs) Nine of the 10 measures of speech. You know, tuck we're given. We have nine of the 10 measures of speech. And so we see beautifully enough in the commandments that are specific to women, and one in particular, Shabbos candles, that our speech creates a reality. And it is actually a mind-blowing concept. Shabbos comes in, let's say, 6 p.m. Now, theoretically... Very theoretically. I'm ready to take in Shabbos at 5.30 p.m. Wouldn't know. It's never happened. But if I were, I could light my Shabbos candles at 5.30 p.m. And I have created Shabbos. It is Shabbos now in my home. Now, not quasi Shabbos. What that means is I light my candles. I say the blessing, and I've changed reality. I discover at that point that I forgot to heat up my soup or put something in the oven. It's Shabbos. Every rule, every law applies. It's not, I have a half an hour. I don't have another second. I said the blessing. I made it Shabbos. My neighbors have a half an hour, but I don't. Speech always works where we can bring in the positive, we can bring in the holy before it's time. Come six o'clock, Shabbos happens with or without me. I choose not to say the blessing, it's still happening. I can't take it out early. (laughs) I can't say and end it early. I can't end the holiness early, but I can bring it in early. I have that ability. So now when it comes to working through an issue a problem in a relationship, which is when our speech is going to be most essential, we're going to have uh, a few different things to work through. Now, is a speaker an active or a passive role? Active. Is a listener an active or a passive role? We got a... passive active (laughs) response there. Generally, reactions are speaker active, listener passive. If you are trying to have a talk with a passive listener, you should do yourself a favor, find the nearest wall and keep going (laughs) because that's who you're talking to. Healthy communication requires a very active speaker and a very active listener. What that means is I am ready to hear you. I am willing to hear you. I am present. I am ready to listen to what you have to say. If I'm not, then you're talking at me. You're not talking with me. You want to say something at me? Go for it. It's going to bounce right off. I'm not going to pay any attention or you're really going to annoy me. You want to speak with me so that I can really hear you, then I have to be in a place where I'm prepared to be an active listener. So greeting somebody with, we need to talk. Oh, that is a great setup for a fight. (laughs) You're like, good to go. Arranging time, I would love to speak. There's something I want to discuss with you. When is a good time? What would be convenient? When do you have some free time? Because catching somebody when they're late to a meeting or they're stressed out about something with work or they have a deadline, not great. They're not going to be present. They're not going to be an active listener. So we have actually five stages, according to Kabbalah, that we are taught we use to work through Issues to work through problems. I'm going to give you these levels out of order and you're going to tell me where you think we are going to begin this process. Again, we have an active speaker and an active listener. We are going to work off the model of communication between a husband and wife. This can be used in any relationship between an employer and a boss, a boss and an employer, siblings, parents and children, there is tweaking that is necessary, you will see, and I will point out where that tweaking is. But we're working off of our foundational relationship of a husband and wife who have an issue that needs to be discussed, and one of them is bringing this up. And just one clarification point, because I'm often asked, do you need to work through this with every single thing that bothers you? No. You don't you have two choices when something bothers you You can drop it or you can speak about it You cannot Not drop it and not speak about it If you can't drop it Then it needs to be discussed if you can drop it it means drop it It doesn't mean store it in your memory for ammunition so that the next time this happens, you have better proof, right? Well, you did this last Monday and you did. No, 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 (laughs) no. Drop it means it's gone. You can't drop it. You speak about it. So now here are our five levels out of order. We have words of direction, words of gratitude, Words of constructive criticism, words of love, words of praise. Where are we going to begin? Love. Love. Raise your hand if it's love. Any other choices? Gratitude. Gratitude. Raise your hand if it's gratitude. Constructive criticism. No. (laughs) Any others? Hmm? Praise. Praise. Raise your hand if it's praise. So interesting. Everybody always goes for praise. Okay. So each of these levels has a benefit both to the speaker and to the listener. We actually begin with love, which God, between gratitude, the majority of the votes here. So we begin with love, and we start with love because love is what is unconditional in the relationship. Also, the numerical equivalent of the word for mouth of peh is 85, which equals the words ahava and chesed, love and kindness. Every time we open our mouth, we have a choice. If it's not loving and kind, it probably shouldn't be said. That doesn't mean, and criticism is one of the levels, that we can't be critical. But it has to be motivated from love and kindness. And by the way, these levels, as much as their communication between now we're working off the model of a husband and a wife, they really also have to do with how we self-talk and how we communicate to ourselves. And we are our harshest critics and most unloving, usually to ourselves. So it's, it's an important reminder. If it's not loving, why are we saying it to ourselves? Right. There's actually a very powerful, um, like extended commercial, Dove soaps. Did these like Dove beauty secrets? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and they'd have these like extended commercials and they had one where they had a group of women journal for a few weeks and write down every single negative thought they had and said to themselves. And they kept this list and they would like jot down what would go through their mind in the morning, when they'd wake up, when they'd be getting ready for work at the end of the day, you know, whatever it was. And a few weeks later, they had all the women come together to meet and it was at a cafe, like an outdoor cafe. And they were told they were coming, you know, to meet the group and to, you know, hang out. And as they're standing there, there are the cafes filled with other groups of people, you know, sitting with their friends and having coffee. So they think. Turns out they are actors. And the women start to overhear the conversations. And they hear, you know, one woman say to her friend, like, you know, honestly, I don't know how you leave the house looking like that. Like, really, you're really ugly. <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, and they're paying attention to this. And like, wow, I mean, talk about, <laughs> whoo, you got a little large there. Yeah. And the, and these women are, are horrified. How could these people be saying this to supposedly their friends and just the harshest, harshest things? I mean, well, you are a terrible mother after all, <laughs> you know? And eventually they pick up on the fact that it's their journals that are being read out loud, one to the next. And it ends with the tagline, "If you wouldn't say it to someone else, don't say it to yourself." right? so this this idea, again, we're we're really talking about communication between other people, but self-talk is also a very critical thing, how we speak to ourselves. So we start with love and love is essential because love is what is unconditional in this relationship. This is the level we tweak when speaking to our boss or employee, hopefully. (laughs) Okay. We're not starting with, I love you. But for the speaker, it is the message that love needs to be stated. It's not enough to show it. It's not enough to express it in other ways. Yes, it needs to be shown and expressed in other ways, but it also needs to be stated. We cannot get away with, I don't like saying it. It's just whatever. Like, I just don't like saying it. It needs to be said. Where do we even see this beautifully enough? Under the chuppah, under the marriage canopy. Who talks between bride and groom? It's the groom. Now we just said women have nine of the 10 measures of speech. Why is he the one talking? Now to clarify, because that might not match for you. You may be a man who is a very expressive speaker and a woman who has a very hard time expressing herself with speech. Judaism speaks about the masculine and feminine traits. Speech is a feminine trait. Women have masculine and feminine traits. Men have masculine and feminine traits. Generally speaking, women are predominantly feminine in their traits and men have their predominance in the masculine traits. We crisscross constantly. So if you are a woman who has a hard time expressing yourself, you are masculine in your speech. A man who is a very eloquent speaker is feminine in his speech. Under the chuppah, we are working... With these same traits. So it is the masculine who does the speaking specifically because it's the weakness. What does he have to say? The phrase, Ha Reat behold, you are betrothed unto me. It is 32 letters, which is the numerical equivalent of the word for lave of heart, representing love. It's basically, I love you. Loud and clear so that witnesses can hear in public. The message given from the chuppah is in every relationship, someone needs to hear, I love you, whether it's the man or the woman. But chances are you're going to have one person who has a harder time saying it, and one person who has an easier time saying it and both need to say it and both need to hear it. It needs to be stated where we see this, especially is with teens, right? With a baby, you can't count how many times you say, I love you a day. It like just rolls at a certain point, like, Oh, no, 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 for you, right? Like it's just gushing out when your teens eyes are doing that rolling as they look you in the face. I have four teens. (laughs) I actually now have one adult and three teens. It it, it gets a little harder. (laughs) It's a little more challenging. But I heard a great line that whoever you're having the hardest time saying I love you to is the one who needs to hear it the most. It needs to be stated. Years ago we were working, um, we've worked a lot over the years. Um, I coach teens at risk a lot. And in one particular case a girl was telling me how her mother hated her I'm thinking probably not but this is how she feels so it's real as far as she's concerned She hates me. She hates me. She hates me. Eventually. I'm speaking to the mother um, and I said, I, you know, I have to ask you. Do, do you hate your daughter? She's horrified Really? What, what how could you ask me that? I said well I'm curious, you know, she feels you hate her. So I'm asking you, I don't. of course, I don't hate my daughter. I love my daughter. When's the last time you've told her that? Like actually said the words, I love you. Ugh, you know, I don't, I don't know why I actually said it, but of course I, it needs to be said. It cannot be taken for granted. This is also generationally a big thing. You know, I know like my parents very rarely heard I love you from their parents. It just was not commonly done. Torah's telling us love needs to be stated. For the listener, it is the reminder that this is why this conversation's happening. And it really is the reminder that if you're not motivated by love to discuss the issue you're having, you're not ready to speak. If you're angry, if you're resentful, if you want payback, it's not the time to have the conversation. The conversation needs to be had because I love this person and we have a problem and it needs to be discussed. Where do you think we go from love? Gratitude, raise your hand if you think it's gratitude. Any other guesses? Praise. Raise your hand for praise. I hope you guys vote better in the elections. <laughs> We've got very few voters in this in this crowd. Okay, let's try that again. Gratitude. Praise. Ah, amazing. Okay, any other guesses? Criticism. All right. I'm going to start a sentence. You're going to finish it. You are incredibly giving and generous and helpful You're talking now remember that (laughs) But right, but but is the next word that's coming in that sentence Which is why that praise is meaningless Have you ever complimented somebody? And you see them getting really worked up and really defensive and you're really complimenting them, <laughs> right? Like you're starting like, I just want to tell you, you've been so helpful. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you're like, and that was it. <laughs> and they're waiting to hear and I just want to be friends <laughs> or, and you're fired <laughs> or whatever else is coming. We, go into praise because it's easier for us. It feels better because nobody's comfortable bringing up issues, so we delay it as much as possible. Or some people are comfortable bringing up issues and then they really don't care how the other person's responding, so it doesn't matter. But when we want to kind of smooth it, we bring in the praise. The problem is when the praise is followed by a but, it takes away the meaning of the praise. And then we can't really accept it, and we don't trust it. We actually go into constructive criticism. You were right. <laughs> Next place, constructive criticism. These are also five levels. We said that pe is ahavan chesed, love and kindness. By the way, I have a handout for you. You didn't get it before because it had the order, and then that kind of ruined what we were doing, but there are our handouts so now you can have, and it explains all of this. The first level is chesed Shiba chesed, loving kindness and loving kindness it relates to the first five days of creation, let there be light. Second, chesed shibagavura, loving kindness within boundaries, even severity. Second day of creation, separation of higher and lower waters criticism, the Hebrew word for it is tochecha, which the sages explain needs to be understood as tochecha, which is explained as coming from within love. If your criticism is not coming from love, I know it sounds like a bit of a contradiction, loving criticism. It's true. I can assure you that If there's an issue you need to work on the best person in the world to hear it from is someone who loves you if you don't you will hear it from somebody who doesn't love you (laughs) and it won't be as nice when we we actually sometimes avoid criticizing the people we love because we don't want to hurt them we don't want to insult them we don't want to make them uncomfortable it's a huge disservice Because nothing is worse than realizing you have a fault and no one pointed it out to you until someone pointed it out to you in a not very loving way. And then to find out, you know, can you believe that? She told me I'm always interrupting people and that I'm, I just cut them off mid-sentence. And it's like, "Uh, well, (laughs) what? (laughs) What? (laughs) You think that? Why didn't you tell me? why didn't you prevent it, right? Like the same way we want like our friend to point out when they're spinach between our teeth, like, come on, you know, the people who love us should point out in a loving way our faults and our issues and what needs to be worked on. So it comes from within love. The Bal Shem Tov teaches us that when something is bothering us in another person, we are very often looking in the mirror. What does this mean? Before we criticize... We look within. Why is it bothering me so much? What am I maybe struggling with that this brings out? It doesn't delegitimize that there isn't an issue and there isn't a problem and it doesn't need to be said. But there is a world of difference when we can become aware that maybe we're more sensitive to this than somebody else because of our own baggage and our own issues. And then when we express it, Expressing criticism as how it makes us feel rather than what someone did. Crucial, crucial difference. You say to somebody, I felt really embarrassed when you made that joke. You know, I really kind of struggle with self-image and you're joking about self-image. And I kind of felt like, I, I felt really embarrassed. Oh my gosh, I'm, I am so sorry. I was, I did not intend that. I was not trying to do that. You humiliated me. You embarrassed me. You are so overly sensitive, right? You accuse somebody of something. They're going to defend themselves. I did not embarrass you. What's the fact? I made a joke. What's the feeling? I felt embarrassed from that joke. What's the response? I'm so sorry. I didn't want you to feel embarrassed. As soon as we go into accusatory mode, you attacked, you embarrassed, you humiliated, you offended, you insulted, whatever it is. Oh, no, I didn't. Now you're telling me something I did and I didn't do it. When we criticize, we want to bring out how it made us feel because that allows the person to recognize that even if something they did was totally unintentional, there were still feelings that came up from it. And you'll see, by the way, especially, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity. We got a lot of people in this place, right? There are gonna be things that irk you, that bother you, that you notice, no one else is noticing. They're driving you crazy. (laughs) But if you ask somebody else, They didn't notice it. We all have our sensitivities. We all have the things that bother us more than other people. So when we talk about how it made us feel, then we're not putting it on the other person as much, and it gives them an opportunity to truly see where that could be a problem. From here, after criticism, now we can go into praise. Praise is the most essential of all the levels, Because, not the most essential, but the most essential to follow the criticism. Because now that we had no problem stating what the issue is, when we state the positive, it can be understood. And you will often find that the very same qualities and things that drive you crazy in a person are those very same things that attracted you to that person in the first place. It's how they're manifest, right? I love that you're gregarious and so social and, you know, light up a room until I want to go to sleep and you're still talking to people at two in the morning, (laughs) you know, it's this, it's not the quality and how, it's how it manifests. So when it comes to praise, we don't want to change the qualities. We want to change the behavior That is problematic for us or to bring up how we would like that changed you would see if you took a piece of paper drew a line down the middle and on one side used Adjectives to describe the people who have done the most to better humanity and on the other side Adjectives to describe people who have wrought more terror and horror in this world You would see almost word for word that they'd be the same. What words would you use? Intelligent, tenacious, determined, impactful, inspiring, powerful. It takes some incredible talents and abilities and persuasive tactics to get somebody to strap a suicide belt around their waist and blow themselves up. It's a chaya or a chaya. Anybody who has the potential to get somebody to utterly change and transform their lives has incredible skills and qualities and talents. Do we use them to be godly? Do we use them to be an animal? That's our choice in what we say. But those powers and that potential is there. After praise, we go into direction. Direction is key because we often make the mistake of thinking, if you love me, you should know what I need. <laughs> Loving a person and knowing what that person needs are incredibly Different things you can love somebody very much and not have a clue what that person needs so direction is making requests and not demands as To what you would suggest could be changed and how it could be changed Now a demand with a question mark at the end does not make it a request (laughs) a request truly means I will accept yes or no for an answer If I won't accept no, it's not a request, it's a demand. We have the right to make demands to our employees and to our children. We do not have the right to make demands to our spouses. We are equals. Everything is a request. Go into demand mode, no one likes being demanded of. And you will likely get no for an answer to prove that the person can say no. Well, you got to do it. Well, I can't do it. Well, you have to. Well, I'm not going to. Right? Like we often will find we will stick to our guns. You don't tell me what I have to do. I'm an adult. Ask me. Give me the option. You tell me, I will fight you. Direction is key. I know we're running out of time. I'm going to try to quickly give you this example. And we'll wrap up with gratitude. But a number of years ago, we were living in Israel, working with a young couple. They were having an issue. They started going through. We were learning this very, um, this very model for working through things. She felt he wasn't helping around the house enough. She goes up to him. They have a time to sit down, and talk. I love you straight into the criticism. I feel that you haven't been doing your share of work around the house. The praise, you are always everyone's number one go-to for helping. It's been amazing. It just needs to be more homeward bound. Great. You're right. You're totally right. I hear you. Ah, Amazing. They end the conversation. She leaves the house. He goes to get ready for work. He realizes that he always leaves his Dirty clothes on the bathroom floor when he jumps in the shower They just somehow are always in the hamper when he comes home He's so embarrassed. Really really I'm making her she was very pregnant at the time my pregnant wife pick up my clothes I mean come on puts his clothes in the hamper the toilet paper roll is finished It had always naturally replenished before this he realizes you know what? I better go (laughs) change that Changes the toilet paper roll, the lights out in the closet, changes the light bulb. He totally gets it. She is so right. I don't do any of this stuff. Like, I just don't do it. He goes to leave for work. He picks up the two overflowing garbage bags that are blocking the front door. He moves them to the side. You know him. And he leaves. Said bags, uh, you know, go back to their state thus blocking front door. She comes home, eventually pushes her way in, rips the garbage bags, and now she's got disgusting garbage all over her floor, and she is livid. We just had this conversation. He had to physically have them in his hands to leave the house. Could I have made it any more obvious? She didn't realize obvious sins don't work, Right. She calls him up, PC's caller ID. He's expecting like, oh, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's not what he got. When we finally spoke and broke this down, direction. When she said what it was, what her request was, her request was, I would like if in the morning before you leave for work, you can take out all the garbage and bring it across the street to the dumpsters. His response was No. But not just no, because it was truly a request. He said, that doesn't really work for me. I've been leaving extra early to get our toddler to preschool so you don't have to be up in the mornings. I'm always running late for work. I don't want to be dealing with the garbage while I'm in my suit. You never tie the bags well. I got tuna oil down my suit last week. Doesn't work. How about when I come home from work, I will change out of my clothes I will bring out all the garbage and if there is so much garbage between then and the next morning I will bring it out to our porch. So it's not in your way. And when I come home from work, I will take care of it Yeah, that's great (laughs) Does the trick no problem so from here We end with gratitude gratitude is our final level and gratitude is not saying thank you that you did what I wanted. It's saying thank you that you heard me. That you were an active listener. That I felt safe to really speak and express how I was feeling. And that you were present to listen to that. And gratitude changes absolutely everything. Years ago, kid gets off the school bus goes into uh, our house with my kids, and they said he missed the bus. Is it okay if he stays at our house? Sure. We've got, you know, some kid David, no idea who he was. It's 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, David's having snack. 5 o'clock, David's doing homework. 6 o'clock, David's having dinner, wondering if we're going to be having bath time together, not really sure what's going on with David. No idea where David's mom is. This is going on. David's at our house. At a certain point, I come out in the living room and David is gone. Where's David? Oh, his mom just came and picked him up. Just came to our door and took him? Yeah. Did she Did she ask to speak to me? No. <laughs> really? I open the front door and you know, as the car is leaving, it's like, he's flasheck. <laughs> what is this? Go storming into my husband's office, you know, scream. Like, what kind of chutzpah? Who does this? I've got this kid for like hours. I'm feeding him. I'm taking care of him. He's a, like, she doesn't even ask to talk to me. And we, you know, we all have this amazing talent. We can be like mid screaming rant and the phone rings. You know, it's like, hey, da, da, da. hello. <laughs> you know? And phone rings. I answer it calm as can be. And she says, I'm David's mother. I don't even know how to thank you. I ran out. I have a newborn baby. I ran out to get diapers, a tractor trailer crashed on my street. They closed it down. I couldn't get home. I didn't have a cell phone. I couldn't reach the buses. I couldn't get to my other kids. I had a starving baby stuck in my house. And you happened to be, they just opened the road on the way. I grabbed David, but you absolutely, you absolutely saved me. Uh, no problem. It was my pleasure. (laughs) He could move in for six months if that would make your life easier. (laughs) Say thank you. I'll give you the world. Don't thank me. Oh, I'll remember. (laughs) Right. Gratitude changes everything because the speaker becomes the listener and the listener becomes the speaker. I say, thank you, thank you, <laughs> you're welcome, <laughs> when you respond, we change roles, which is why it says that the highest level of speech is when we're able to speak and listen simultaneously, which is actually another use of the mouth. We have this uh, statement that when a couple's fighting, they should kiss and make up. Judaism says, no, 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 never make up. Then you can kiss. You never replace what needs to be worked through in verbal communication through physical communication. But once you have said what needs to be said, then you reach the highest level of communication, which is the kiss when we're speaking and listening simultaneously. So we should all be blessed to have the right words to say, to use them properly. And it says in the future, we will really, truly know how to communicate with one another, which is why the word for Mashiach is actually the word Messiah, which is a communicator. So we should be blessed with the highest form of communication immediately. Thank you very much. Please visit MyJLI.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and Toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.